Welcome to the Property Voice Podcast, helping you to navigate safely through the world of property investing. Get the lowdown and updates, insights and outcomes on all matters property with a splash of entertainment along the way. The Property Voice, a voice to trust among the crowd. Now, let's get started with your host, Richard Brown. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Property Voice podcast. My name is Richard Brown, and as always, it's a pleasure to have you join me again on the show this week. Well, you might be able to see if you're watching on the video that uh, I'm in a hotel room. <laughs> I'm in Chicago in the USA. There's a, a, I don't know if you can see it behind me. There's a USA flag and a big for the freeway. That's the view from my hotel room. But yeah, doing some business here. Had a good couple of meetings, got a good couple of meetings yet to come. And then I'm going to head down to Dallas. Uh, to be with my mastermind group, which is for the rest of the week. So trying to adjust to the time zone, want to get a recording done, obviously, for the podcast in the meantime. So that's what we're doing here today. So um, I've got some really uh, exciting um, friends of Richard, if you like, uh, um, podcast, video cast to share with you over the next couple of weeks. But today, I, I really wanted to just talk about this, um, this little idea called the margin of safety. Now, if you study Warren Buffett or uh, Benjamin Graham or Charlie Munger, those sorts of people, they come from the value investing perspective. And so one of the components of uh, valuing in investing is what's called a margin of safety. And the strict definition of a margin of safety, as far as uh, the value investors uh, are concerned, people like Charlie Munger, is that there is a difference between what's called the intrinsic value or the book value um, of an asset and its market value. So we can apply this to property as well, can't we? And you know, you might look at that as a discount, effectively. A discount between the market value and the purchase price, for example, that you're buying uh, a property for. Now, we all want to buy below market value. It's something that's really spoken about quite a lot in the industry. And many people think that there isn't such a thing as market value, uh, sorry, below market value. Um, anyway, because if you bought it for below market value, then surely that's the market value. So the, there's a bit of around there. But, you know, essentially, you can, you can actually get valuations. You know, somebody else will give you the money that uh, you think is a market value for the property and, and indeed get, it, get a valuer to agree with them. Then, of course, uh, you've got that margin of safety. But I wanted to expand on the concept a little bit of margin of safety and maybe how I see it. So uh, it's all very well to look for below market value. Uh, and indeed, when we go into a property deal, a lot of people say you make your money when you buy. So look for the discount. Try and negotiate a discount when you're going into to buy a property. But I think what I, what I also see is some is margin of safety in some slightly different ways as well. So let me give you an example. If I've got a rental property, I'm looking for a margin of safety on in terms of the rental as well. So the net rental value. I'm, in other words, I'm not looking to just you know, break even and, and look for capital growth to make my money, which is extremely speculative. I'm looking for a positive cash flow of a minimum amount of money. It's usually around about 200, uh, sorry, 200 pounds a month for a roughly a 100K uh, property. That's the sort of figure I'm looking for. It's normally a minimum of 500 pounds a month for an HMO. These figures sometimes we're able to beat. Um, there can be some tricks of the game, if you like. If you self-manage, you can hide the fact that you're not, collect- you're not paying a letting agent. Uh, but of course, you've still got your time that you should really be factoring in. But essentially, we're looking for this margin of safety. So it's the, the difference in the, the, the rent, uh, all the costs, including your mortgage and including the paying any fees, etc., and what's left at the end of it. 
and having a buffer. And indeed, we can uh, take that a little stage further by, uh, for example, fixing our interest rate. And the longer we can fix our interest rate, the longer we've got that margin of safety for, and we won't be hit, hit by any sudden shocks. And that's really part of the purpose of the margin of safety as well. And similarly, if it's not a rental property, maybe it's a flip, whether it's a development to flip or a single property flip, um, margin of safety in this case is, is roundabout, is the profit. It's the profit we're trying to make on the, on the deal or on the project. Uh, what's known as developer's project. Uh, profit even if I get my words right. So um, normally 20%, you know, people say 20% on cost, total cost of doing the project is a minimum margin of safety or profit level that you should be taking. And there's a good reason for this. So it, often if you're in a, a, let's say a flip project, it's an average of nine months. Um, some people will tell you it's less, but if you want to really buy it, do, do, up the, do the project up, um, do the property up even, and then uh, have, resell it, find a buyer, and then go through the conveyancing process, invariably it's eight or nine months is how long it takes. Well, that's a reasonable period of time. Then, of course, if it's a development project um, where you're perhaps either converting or a new build, that timeline can push out 12, 18, to even 24 months, depending on what's involved, especially if you have to go through, say, planning. So there's a long time that you've got to sit in the project, and in which case the margin of safety should actually increase depending on the, the length of uh, the project or the length of time you need to wait. So I'd say 20% for a flip project, um, maybe a conversion project, and maybe a development project, maybe a little bit more, especially if you have to need to go and get planning permission. So it's that buffer, it's that difference. And the reason being that if prices should change, uh, obviously if they should drop in that intervening period of time, then, well, you can still get out without losing your shirt. And if we look, look through history, the, the largest single, uh, depending on how you look at the figures, I guess, but the large, largest drop in any one year was around about 20%. Uh, it could have been slightly less, and it depends on what part of the country you're looking at. If we look at the last financial crisis and the property crash that followed, we'd probably see something like a, a 15 to 20% drop in a single year. If we extrapolate that over a couple of years, it could have been a little bit more, actually. So it's good to build in that buffer, particularly if you've got a long duration in the deal. So that's kind of two ways of looking at it, if you're renting the property or if you're undertaking some sort of development activity. Build that margin of safety. Um, and there may be some protections that you can put in place there, certainly with the rental property, not so much with the development side of things. Then I, I actually look at this in a slightly different way as well. I look at this with my wider portfolio. So not just on an individual project by project basis, I also look at my wider portfolio. So I'm looking at the margin of safety across my entire portfolio. And that often involves me looking at the equity that's in my portfolio, the average loan to value, uh, and then making sure that, if, if you like, I've got a healthy buffer in there. And, and in, included within those averages, you, you really should have some properties with a very low loan-to-value or even no loan-to-value, in other words, no debt on it. Now, this is obviously not necessarily possible when you're first starting out, so it's something to watch out for as you grow and try and get the, be the debt paid down on maybe some properties so you've got that buffer in case you should need it. So if we find ourselves in a recession or a property crash, um, we can actually manage ourselves through it, um, collecting rents with a margin of safety on the rentals, but also not falling foul of what they call the minimum loan to value uh, threshold that some lenders would insist and is buried in their small print. In fact, if you read um, you know, your mortgages, the terms and conditions, I know it's an exciting read, but if you were to read those, you might see some reference to a minimum loan to value or words to that effect. 
And what that means is that the bank is basically agreeing to give you the money, providing the loan to value remains consistent or doesn't fall below a certain watermark. And if it does fall below that, that watermark, they could ask you to put more money in to actually top up the deal, probably at the time when you don't actually have it. Um, the, you know, you, when you need it the most is when you don't have it. You know, so during a recession, during a property crash, for example, might be you know, times when you don't have money available. So it's good to have that margin of safety built into your portfolio um, as well. So that's, that's another way of looking, uh, looking at margin of safety. And I guess the, the final way, really, I wanted to talk about in terms of margin of safety is not just with an individual property or our property portfolio, but our total assets and our total net worth as well. So as we expand and we grow, um, all the good financial advisors say that we should have diversification uh, in our, in our um, investment portfolio. So we shouldn't be 100% weighted in property, for example. And that's a good principle. And uh, it's good to have some money in cash and maybe short-term liquid or highly liquid, you know, easily liquidatable funds and assets as well. So stocks and shares you can usually sell quickly. Uh, for example, uh, access to you know savings accounts with maybe thirty days, ninety days notice is still fairly liquid. Uh, precious metals can usually be liquidated at fairly short notice, etc. These are just some examples. And um, margin of safety again in terms of your wider portfolio. So if you need to call upon the money at short notice for whatever reason, that you can do so. Some of it instantly, and some of it in a fairly short period of time. So we've looked at three elements. We've looked at individual properties. We've looked at our property portfolio, and we're looking at our investment portfolio. So I'm looking at margin of safety in this wider context probably a little bit wider perhaps than the strict definition that the people that the likes of Charlie Munger, Benjamin Graham and indeed Warren Buffett might be uh, might be talking about and I try to apply this principle really and then the second thing that, that really pops out of this is well how much is enough so I talked about a net um, cash flow on individual properties I talked about a um, loan to value on a portfolio. I also talked about a minimum profit on, say, a flip deal or a buy to sell deal or a development deal, for example. And the same can be applied to our total investment portfolio as well. I was having this conversation with a, a contact of mine the other day, and uh, I don't want to reveal too many identities, but um, you can probably tell from the figures involved uh, that the person was saying, I, I, I feel... I feel poor unless I haven't got a certain amount of money in the bank, cash in the bank. And that was quite a substantial amount of money, I have to tell you. But then I asked the question, well, that's a very round figure. It was a round figure. And I asked the question, well, how did you arrive at that figure? I mean, it makes a lot of sense that you've got money that you can call upon in time of need. But how did you arrive at the specific figure? And it was more like a comfort level. Well, it feels about right. And then we talked about the concept of uh, margin of safety. Uh, in this context. And, and we worked out that the sum of money that she had set aside was around about 15% of her total net worth. So in other words, she had 15% of her total net worth set aside in, in literally cash. I guess if we, uh, I didn't explore it, this when we talked, but I guess if she had other highly liquid assets, it probably is a bit more than 15%. And then we had a discussion about risk profiles and, and how much was the right level. And I think the right level is probably somewhere between 10 and 20 percent. Uh, 10 and 20 percent of your portfolio in, in cash or highly liquid or relatively fast liquidatable assets uh, to be comfortable and to, to be a buffer uh, in times of shock or in times of need. We also went on to talk about the fact that someone that, uh, that they knew who had zero 
in, in cash or highly liquid uh, assets. Property is not a highly liquid asset, uh, just to make the point. Um, so if we're talking about other things here, stocks and shares, cryptocurrency, precious metals, uh, savings on, on you know, short notice call out, obviously cash, uh, premium bonds, those sorts of things are high, you know, relatively highly liquid uh, assets to have uh, at our disposal. Property isn't. It can take quite a long time to liquidate uh, a property, whether you want to finance it or whether you want to sell it on. I'm sure you all well know that. So I'm talking about something here in terms of liquidatable assets. So 0% is quite high risk. So um, I, I wouldn't advocate that. Um, of course, when we've got you know, 10,000 pounds, that's all we have to ha you know, have available. It's hard to separate that into buckets of 1,000 pounds and spread it across 10 different asset classes. It's kind of difficult. So I think you tend to concentrate more when you've got less uh, funds available. And, um, but as we, as we get more funds available and we build up our portfolio and our net worth, it's wise to diversify. It's also wise to have a certain amount of money set aside for uh, a rainy day. And that, that, that fund you know, should flex depending on your risk profile. Now, somewhere between 10 and 20% is probably a normal level. I think if you're super you know, risk averse, you might want more than 20%. Uh, and if you're you know, flying by the seat of your pants and you think it's all going to go swimmingly well, you might be able to tolerate less than 10%. Whether it's wise to do so is a different point. But you know, about risk tolerance, you might be able to tolerate less than 10% available in liquid form. So I, I, for me, it's, it's between 10 and 15%. Uh, for my contact, it was 15% plus, 15% plus, more like 20 probably, if we were to include uh, other you know, highly liquid, high, highly, I can't say this phrase, can I? Highly liquidatable assets. So um, you, there's, there's a difference there. And obviously that one other person had zero. I, I just think the right thing to do is have a, a sum of money that's set aside that you could utilize under certain circumstances. So that's really the point I wanted to make about margin of safety. And hopefully that gives a slightly different spin on it than you might have heard or, or seen through some of the, the literature on the topic as well. So that's that. Now, one thing that's uh, been brought to my attention on a totally different topic uh, before I close off today is you may remember I had James Davis, who is the MD founder of uh, UPAD, on, as a guest on the podcast during the PropTech series um, recently. Well, sadly, UPAD are no more. They went into administration uh, recently, which is rather sad. Um, I do actually think that there is quite a lot of um, different prop tech providers in certain quarters. And maybe the level, you know, the level of growth of, um, you know, online serving um, providers in the lettings and estate agent market is, you know, too many for the amount uh, of business that's actually available certainly today. And I don't, you know, I don't really know what happened with Viewpad. I haven't looked into the detail, but unfortunately, there are no more. Now, I'm just going to make a, a quick look up so I get the right reference. The um, yep, le lettingsandproperty.com is uh, another provider in this space who've uh, been relatively well established and they've just they've, they've got an offer at the moment so if you've been affected by the upad demise and you were using them then lettingsandproperty.com have got an offer i'll put links into the show notes if uh, if that's of interest to you um, obviously you may have heard of upad as a result of the property voice podcast so uh, i think it's important to share well is there an alternative that perhaps you could utilize. And I think they've got a special offer on for people who might have been affected by the UPAD demise. So that's just a little bit of extra support for you in a slightly different area. So it's a bit sad to see that situation uh, with, with UPAD and, and James, obviously. But uh, if you've been affected, perhaps have a look at the show notes and maybe there's a way out for you. 
So there we go. I'm over in the States, as you can probably tell, trying to struggle adjusting to the time zone. Um, I'm meeting a number of people in Chicago and I actually had somebody drive over to meet me all the way from Toledo. It's a four hour each way drive. So that was, for, uh, was a great commitment from that individual to come and meet me. Lots of good um, con conversations, business opportunities being crammed into the agenda whilst I'm here in Chicago. I'm going to drop down to Dallas for the next few days and that's going to be great. By the way, if you're looking for me the next few days and you need anything, uh, it's going to be pretty full on. So expect a slow response. That's going to be great. That's going to be an opportunity to work on the business and not in the business and get some good feedback from, you know, some, some heavy hitting people you know, who will be in that particular room. So there we go. So on tour, I suppose, the Property Voice podcast. Um, just still wanted to get a share out with you this week. Hopefully that's been valuable with the margin of safety share. And um, the show notes are going to be over at the website, thepropertyvoice.net. Of course, if you want to talk about anything from today's show, you can always email me, podcast at thepropertyvoice.net. You can also call me and it will find me most, most of the time, 0208-144-5895, a UK number. And uh, yeah, or chase me down and find me wherever I am, even in the States. So give me a call or drop me an email if there's something you want to talk about that's, uh, that's interested you and intrigued you from the podcast, whether it's today's show or another show. I'd be happy to hear from you. I love talking to listeners and, and people who are, are, are planning through it forward on their journey. So it'd be great to hear from you. Meanwhile, as always, the show notes are going to be over the website, thepropertyvoice.net. And I guess all that's remaining for me to say is thank you very much for listening and indeed watching this week on the Property Voice podcast. And until next time, ciao, ciao. Thank you for listening today. Now head over to thepropertyvoice.net for more inspirational content and get updates through our mailing list. Join us next time on the Property Voice podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to rate us on iTunes.